Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. It was that same yearning for freedom that nearly 250 years ago gave birth to a special place called America. It was a small cluster of colonies caught between a great ocean and a vast wilderness. It was home to an incredible people with a revolutionary idea that they could rule themselves, that they could chart their own destiny, and that together they could light up the entire world. A revolutionary idea that they could rule themselves. Hi, I'm Father Frank Pavone, the National Director of Priests for Life. Welcome to Praying for America. We are exploring that revolutionary idea here, and we're talking about the principles that build on it. The idea of freedom versus tyranny, the idea that we can govern ourselves, that's what this country is founded on. We've got to get back to the basics. We have to make sure we understand this ever more profoundly and that our children and grandchildren understand it as well, because understanding it is the first step to defending it. Brothers and sisters, it's under attack. It's under attack and it can be easily lost. And as President Reagan said, it's not something that's passed on in the bloodstream. It's got to be defended every day. It's why our national anthem in verse one ends with a question. Oh, say, does that star spangled banner yet wave or the land of the free? of the free and the home of the brave. And we're free because of the brave, the brave who sacrificed themselves, starting with our founding fathers and followed by all the the veterans who have have, uh, fought and died for our country. And we thank them all for their service and and, and all of us in various ways uh, who have defended the freedom. It's worth defending and it's biblically rooted. And that's what we're speaking about in these programs as well. I want to pick up where we left off last night. If you didn't see last night's broadcast, you can go back and watch it, of course, on the various platforms where you see us. And I want to pick up uh, with that. But let's go, as we always do, uh, to uh, Scripture. Begin with that marvelous uh, beginning of the uh, Gospel of, uh, of John. Because talk about going to the foundations. Here's the foundation of, of everything. John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines on in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man sent from God, his name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and through him the world was made. Yet the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. 
Let us pray. We thank you, Lord, for the freedom we have in Jesus Christ. Freedom defined by the fact that we have actually become partakers of the divine nature, have been adopted as your sons and daughters. That is freedom. And we live in the freedom of the Spirit. And we translate that, Lord, into our political choices. We translate that into our public policies. We translate that into how we rule ourselves. And we translate it into the very fact that we rule ourselves. Lord, never let us, never let us lose sight of this gift. And never let us slacken in our defense of it. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. So I've been telling you, uh, friends, that uh, uh, the um, America First Policy Institute lays out uh, policies, and I'm going to introduce those to you and explain them over coming uh, programs, policies that are rooted in biblical principles. And we'll get into some of those. But first, let me go to the whiteboard here and uh, continue to talk to you about the, this fundamental distinction between freedom and tyranny. And there are three pillars on which the freedom that we enjoy in America is based. Freedom versus tyranny. Now, you know, our country is founded on the Declaration of Independence because our founders said we need independence from uh, King George III because he's a tyrant and he's uh, imposing on us tyrannical actions and they cannot be um, tolerated. So that was a rule by a man. Right, ruling from a king, and the king gets up, he issues an edict, nobody had in, input into it, nobody can have recourse against it, the law comes from the mouth of the king. That's a pagan idea, it's not a Christian idea. On the other hand, when we're talking about freedom, we're not talking about the rule of any one man. So that absolute power, absolute authority gets concentrated into a single human being. You see, our founding fathers knew from the Word of God, but they also knew from bitter experience about the corruption of human nature. We're wounded in our human nature because of sin. We're rebellious against God. We're corrupt. And what ends up happening is we, we rebel against God. We mistreat one another. And if a person has absolute power in government, well, any person that assumes a position like that has sinful tendencies in themselves, and that, that spells trouble for the people that are under his power. Because he's not divine. He's a sinner. And when you've got a sinner who has absolute power, you're going to suffer the consequences. They knew that from bitter experience. So instead of ruling through men... It's the rule of law. You know, it sometimes takes a while for people to understand what we mean when we say we are a nation of laws, not of men. And, and, and because obviously we know that men, in, in the sense of human beings, men and women, make the laws, enforce the laws, judge about the laws. So what do we mean by we're not a nation of laws, not of men? Because the, the decision doesn't come from them. We have, we are sinners. 
We are corrupt. If the nation were based on that, well, that's when you end up with tyranny and the violation of people's rights. But if we're based on laws, then that applies even to the rulers, and that's where you get the further corollary that no one is above the law, right? Not even the people who made the laws according to a democratic lawmaking processes. But a nation of laws makes it objective, puts it outside of ourselves, outside of our own advantage, outside of our own, um, well, I'm in a bad mood today, or I'm in a greedy mood today, or I want to do this, or I want to do that, or I want to be a little bit rebellious. The law still stands. The human beings under that law might fall, might falter, might rebel. Law doesn't change because of that. See, but when you're under a tyrant, when you're under a king, he wakes up with a, with a stomach ache or a headache, and all of a sudden the laws change. Not good. The rule of law, therefore, is principle number one, pillar number one, if you will, of freedom. Secondly, and we read these words, of course, in that, Marvelous, our marvelous founding documents. Consent of the governed. Right? You know, when we vote for somebody, or when they ask us for our vote, what kind of power do they think we're giving them? What kind of power do we think we're giving them? When we vote for them, when we put them in public office, what kind of power? Hopefully, they understand it correctly that the only power that they have is because we say, okay. The only power those who govern us have is with our consent. And without our consent, they have none. That is a crucial principle. And then third, private property. Now, that's biblically based, and we'll go into that more. And it's essential to freedom. I get to own things. Note to Democrats. It's not yours. You don't own it. And you don't get to take what's mine and give it to somebody else, okay? You got that? Democrat leaders? You've forgotten the, you've forgotten the meaning of freedom, haven't you? I think all these Democrats in office right now, who of course should not be in office, not even for one more day. Let me go back here to the chair for a moment. Not even for one more day. Should go back and read the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, get a dictionary. I'll look up some of the words, you know, the longer words. Because I guarantee you, there are many of them sitting in office who, if they have ever read those documents, it has been decades since they've done so. And I guarantee you that there are many of them, if you sit down and talk with them about those documents, they really don't believe that those are our current laws that those are currently governing documents. They don't believe in them anymore. Problem is, they are our governing documents. And therefore, if they don't like them, really, they should find another country. You know, there's a lot of choices. 
they really should find another country. They certainly, should, they certainly shouldn't be in any kind of uh, position of authority in this country. That is for sure. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Along with concepts like the consent of the governed, we read about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness as the fundamental rights, the unalienable rights, that we have been given by God our Creator. What does unalienable mean? It means nobody can take those rights away from us. In fact, let me go back to the board because this is this might be better, more easily understood if we illustrate it here. Unalienable rights means at least two things. And let me just lay this out very explicitly. We are endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable or inalienable rights. Life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. Now, if you cannot alienate those rights, so let's break down this word. They're un- or inalienable, so alienate. You cannot alienate the right. So in other words, you can't um, disown it. You can't suppress it. You can't steal it. You can't diminish it. You have no authority over it. Who has no authority over it? Anybody. Anybody who isn't the creator who gave it to you in the first place. So this concept of unalienable means, you know, I can't have anybody else take it away from me because they didn't give it to me. It was only given by the creator. It was given by the creator. can only be taken away by the creator. And he doesn't want to take it away. Nor can I dispossess myself of it. I can't take away or deny or act against my own right to life. That's why suicide is wrong. That's why euthanasia is wrong. Assisted suicide is wrong. I don't can't disown my own right to life, liberty, or the pursuit of happiness. I can't enslave myself or, or anybody else. And one further thought about this, brothers and sisters, is that the reason it's unalienable, it's rooted in our humanity. In other words, you read what the Declaration says, the rights were bestowed by our Creator. So you have a connection there, you have a deep, immediate connection there between the rights and our humanity, because the creator of our humanity endowed us with those rights, particularly by making us human. So if you're human, you have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and nobody can take those away from you 
any more than they can take away from you your humanity. So it resolves into this question. Can anyone, okay, make me not human? Interesting question. Interesting question. The answer, of course, is no. Nobody can take away your human nature. You will always be a human being. Nobody can make you into a lion. Nobody can make you into a dog. Nobody can make you into a monkey. You are a human being. And, and, and when you think about how much do I possess my humanity, you think, well, I am my humanity. I mean, it's not like something like I, I, I possess a, 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 a marker. I possess a jacket. I possess it. No, my humanity is, is more than that. It's something that I am. I can't go anywhere and leave my humanity behind. I can leave my jacket behind. I can't leave my humanity behind. I am human, right? So nobody can make me not human. The rights we have, therefore, are possessed by us in that very same sense. That it, it's, it's, it's part and parcel of who we are and of what we are. One other point here when it comes to understanding freedom, the pursuit of happiness. I want to focus for a moment on this word pursuit. Notice what the right is. It's not a right to receive happiness. It's not a right to be given happiness by the government or by anyone else. It's a right to the pursuit. Now, that's an active word implying hard work on our part, implying, first of all, that we desire it, that we understand it, and that, that we're going to do things in order to get there. It can be elusive. We have to pursue it. We've got to chase it. We've got to work for it. The pursuit of happiness, that's what the right is. So in other words, it's not an idea that the government has to guarantee outcomes. So there's this notion on the left that we have to have equal outcomes. We're going to make everybody the same. Everybody's a winner. You know, equal outcomes. Let me tell you a story. You'll, you'll relate to this because you see what's happening in our, in our country with this. I was um, last 4th of July up... Uh, visiting with my family in New York and across the street from uh, the home where we grew up, where my parents still live, we have a, a, a public high school and they have a ceremony every 4th of July and, and uh, you know, with speeches before it gets dark for the fireworks and, and they have awards for the, uh, some of the school students. They write essays, you know, about the meaning of the 4th of July. And so they came to the part in the ceremony uh, where they said, we're going to present to you now uh, the winners uh, for the uh, essay contest. And I figured, okay, maybe they have a first, second, third place winner of the best essays. I think 50 kids came up. They called up all the students that had submitted the essays. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I thought they were going to show us the, the winners of the essay contest. No, no, no. Equal outcomes. They're all winners. That's it. So then, why would a student want to work harder 
on that essay. Well, think about what, what does this do to these students psychologically? Why would a student want to work harder on their essay if they're just guaranteed to be standing up there with 49 other students and we're all the winners? Same is true economically. Why would an entrepreneur want to be an entrepreneur? Why would an inventor want to invent something? Why would a creative person want to work like crazy to come up with a unique idea and develop it if all the fruit of that is going to be equally distributed among everybody else and they're not going to be any further along economically than the person who sat around and watched TV all day? It's not about equal outcomes. It's about equal opportunity. That each of those students or each one of our citizens with our own talents of creativity and inventiveness and ideas would pursue those ideas, would work like crazy every day, would strive would want to be more excellent and come up with something. We all need to have the equality of opportunity. We don't have equal talents. We've each got to develop our talents to the extent that God gave them to us and in the different circumstances in which he gave them to us. But as far as the law goes, as far as public policy goes, as far as government goes, that we would have the right to pursue happiness By exercising the work, by exercising the creativity, by developing the talents that our Lord gave us, and that we would then be able to enjoy the fruit of them, back again to the notion of private property. And by the way, that doesn't just include cash and, 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 and land and houses, but intellectual property too. Intellectual property. I write something. I write a powerful book, a poem, a, a, a a mathematical formula, intellectual property. Let me go back and sit down here and give you some concluding things here. So this is um, part and parcel of the freedom that we defend, brothers and sisters, and it is at the foundation then of the principles I'm going to go over in upcoming programs of this America First agenda. You know, we have an agenda. It's America First. That doesn't mean a desire to take over the world. You know, when we, when we put America first, and President Trump is always speaking about this, and the America First Policy Institute is rooted in this, in this principle that, you know, it's just, it just makes sense that we as Americans would want to put America first. And let me put it again in moral terms. Love begins at home. Charity begins at home. Are you and I responsible for helping one another? Yes. But are we also responsible for maintaining our own health? I have an obligation to make sure I'm going to live through the day, feed, get, get fed, feed myself the right things. I have a responsibility to my health. Each one of us does. And if I have to get to the doctor and uh, my neighbor needs something, well, I have an obligation to make sure, first of all, that I'm well enough even to be able to help my neighbor. Furthermore, a father of a family, a mother of a family, a member of a family. 
we have a duty to help other families, of course, but where's your first duty? Is not your first duty to your own family? Who do you provide for? Who do you buy things for first? Obviously, the priority that you place in taking care of your own family is not some kind of an offense against your duty to others, to love others, to love your neighbor, literally your neighbor down the down the street from you or across the street from you. Do you love your neighbor? Yeah, of course you do. But when you go shopping, you, you, you're going to buy the groceries you need for your own family first before you, you give anything to your neighbor. So my question is, if this applies, if this makes sense on an individual level, and if this makes sense on the family level, why doesn't it make sense on the national level? That our allegiance would be first to our own country. That's not a contradiction of the duty to love other countries. We have people from other countries joining us. In fact, if you are from elsewhere, let us know in the comments that you're watching from another country. And we appreciate you, you being with us. We believe in helping the world. America is the most generous country on earth. So, brothers and sisters, it's not a dilution in any way, shape, or form of the, the duty to love other nations when we say we're going to put our own nation first. It's just common sense. And the stronger we are as a nation, the better equipped we are going to be to help other nations. We're going to go into, um, in upcoming programs, 10 different policy pillars, if you will, policy pillars of the America First agenda. And we're going to show how they are rooted in the scriptures. So make sure to spread the word about our program, because if you and those you know are, are interested in this, uh, this is going to be well worth your time uh, listening to and exploring together with us. And it'll give us a vision to impart to the people. You know, God's word says, without a vision, the people perish. Impart a vision to people where we want to go in this country. And that in turn will shape our attitudes and our actions in terms of lobbying our elected representatives and electing them, electing the right kind of people in future elections. It shapes how the people of Georgia need to elect one of their U.S. senators. And we need to be praying, and we'll pray right now, that they'll have wisdom when it comes to that. By the way, if you want to help out in Georgia, final point here, action point, go to ProLifeVote.com. ProLifeVote.com, you'll see there a, a link to help with the Georgia elections. You can make phone calls from the comfort of your home. You can uh, spread social media postings. You can uh, learn talking points. Activate the people that you know in Georgia. And if you yourself are there, well, brothers and sisters, we're relying on you to make the right decisions in this Senate election. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for freedom. We thank you for uh, helping us to understand what it means to be a nation of laws, not of men. We ask you to uh, help us understand even more deeply what it means that our government functions only, only with the consent of the governed. We ask you, Lord, to help us understand even more deeply 
the uh, meaning of and value of and biblical rooting of private property. It's part of our part of our dignity and part of our freedom. We thank you, Lord, for the, the gift of work and creativity and hard labor to, to take our talents and develop them, make sacrifices to study or to write or to build or to just, just give our time and our energy to the profession and the vocation to which you have called us. We thank you, Lord, that all of this is part of freedom. All of this is part, O oh God, of serving you and of being members of your kingdom. And we pray now in the words that our Savior taught us, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, friends, thanks for joining me. Connect with me on social media at FR Frank Pavone. Connect with Right Side Broadcasting at RSB Network. Make sure you have an account on Truth Social and on Getter and, and all these platforms where we can speak freely and share with each other the truth about America, the truth about God's kingdom. That's the battle today, brothers and sisters. There are those who hate that truth. They're trying to silence us. They will not succeed. Remember what President Trump always tells us. This country doesn't belong to those who are trying to destroy it. It belongs to us. Let's live that joyfully. We'll join you again tomorrow. God bless you. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.